Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Friday, January 4th, 2013. Today we are reading from the big book, Chapter 7, Working with Others, on page 94, the second paragraph, starting with, Your Candidate May Give Reasons. And today's readers are Diane, The Twelve Steps, Janice, The Twelve Traditions, Kim, Sharon, Paula, and Sarah. The share code for yesterday is 3614. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA Fifth Tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I would now like to ask Diane G. to read the 12 steps. Hi, this is Diane um, from New Hampshire, a compulsive overeater. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, 
we try to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Diane. I will now ask Janice B. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Janice B. in Vermont, Cultural Overeater. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends on OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. These problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, Janice. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 94, the second paragraph beginning with your candidate may give reasons why. And I will ask Kim to begin reading. Thanks, Monica. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the programs. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, 
but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. On your first visit, tell him about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. If he shows interest, lend him your copy of this book. What great instructions. Oh, my name is Kim, and I am a recovered compulsive reader from South Jersey. Good morning, my fellows. Um, you know, once again, we are in the chapter working with others. So at this point, we have talked about the futility and fatality of this disease. We've, we've matched this newcomer story for story, or this person coming back. You know, this person who's come back from relapse after relapse after relapse. And they're starting to understand that they are powerless. They're starting to admit that they are powerless. And they're asking you, what did you do? What was that solution? What was that plan of action? But it says your candidate may give you reasons why he cannot follow all of the program. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would make much progress had you not taken action. You know, when I think of this saying we say a lot that kept me very sick, not before I came into OA, but while I was in OA, and that was take what you want and leave the rest. I didn't think I needed to call a sponsor every day. Maybe you do. I don't need to put down all my binge foods. I can do a fourth step, but I don't need to tell someone else. I already told God. You know, that saying kept me sick in the room. And I like to use the analogy of a vending machine. If we as compulsive overeaters go to a vending machine, and our favorite binge food is a dollar. What do we think is going to happen if we put in 50 cents? Nothing. What if we put in 70 cents? Nothing. We could put in 99 cents, and nothing's going to happen. It's not till we put that dollar in that we're going to get that binge food, and we accept that. But yet, we come into OA, and we think, well, if I do 50%, I'll get 50% back. I'm even willing to put 70% in with only a 30% return. So that's what's keeping us stuck. You know, our candidate gives reasons why he need not follow all the programs. And we're not going to contradict him, but we're going to let him know that that not, did not work for us. And I can tell you that I was in program for 15 years doing the OA program as if it was the game Twister when we were kids. You know, right hand on red, left foot on yellow, twisting myself in a pretzel, doing only what I wanted to do. And all I got was periods of abstinence and relapse, periods of abstinence and relapse. But once I decided to do all the program, all the program almost two years ago, in 60 days, I became recovered and I experienced those 10-step promises. So although we do not contradict, we let them know our truth. We let them know that that did not work for us and then they can make their own decisions whether they want to do all the programs. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. This is Paula, may I share? Morning, Paula. Go ahead. Good morning, Monica, and good morning, all. You know, I keep looking at this line as it was read again. Tell him you once felt as he does. And to me, that's where it's at. You're not alone out there. I felt the same way. Because now he's looking at somebody that's recovering. Wow! You know, like, he's so different than I am, or she's so different than I am. No. He felt the same way. 
But then you clarify it and you say, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. Now, isn't that strange? That seems like the simplest thing. Of course you have to take action. No, but we never did. We talked and we talked and then we talked some more. But here it comes together. It's not the talking. It's a talking with the action. And, you know, to me, that made the difference. Someone came alongside me. They didn't go behind me, pushing me along. They didn't come in front of me, pulling my hand. No, they came beside me. And that made all the world a difference. Yes, say it as it is. Speak the truth. But even how you speak it, the tone of your voice, there you ask God. And he will always answer. Thank you for allowing me to share. With that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share? Good morning, it's Leah. Morning, Leah. Go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Hi, everybody. My name's Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have had have made much progress had you not taken action. I mean, I'm not there to fight, you know, with this prospect, but, uh, you know, sometimes in OA we what we try to do is sell out to to save the newcomer, to give the newcomer what they want to hear so we don't lose them. Um, you know, if they're new, let me suggest that we have an inexhaustible supply of newcomers. We don't have to solicit to the newcomer. AA never had to send out an invitation. Um, I'm responsible to the newcomer to offer an adequate presentation of the program. You know, uh, if if you're new and if you're like me, and I don't know if you are, but if you are like me, your greatest obstacle to your recovery will be your own judgment. Doing what you think is best for you is what you got here. At least that was true for me. Doing what I thought was best got me in the condition I was in when I crawled my way into a recovered OA meeting asking for help, tombstones in my eyes. So how sinister it would be if we turned over a prescription of recovery uh, to to the prospect's judgment, the judgment that got, got him laid up in this hospital. Um, so, you know, tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made much progress had you not taken action. This is absolutely true. Yes, I want to talk about on this first visit about the Fellowship of Alcoholics Anonymous. Yes, the fellowship is very wonderful. Yes, the fellowship is very powerful. However, the fellowship itself is not going to create the vital change that's necessary, that's sufficient to bring about recovery. If OA becomes a place where all we do is keep them from being lonely and keep them being comfortable rather than a place uncomfortable if they don't do the steps well then we're not doing our job our chief responsibility to the newcomer is an adequate presentation of the program what it was like for me what happened and what it's like now with that i pass thanks thank you leah would anyone else like to share on this paragraph good 
This is Katie. Morning, Katie. Go ahead. Good morning, everyone. I'm Katie, a compulsive overeater recovered in Virginia. Um, what I do when someone is at this point of rebelling at the thought of a drastic house cleaning, which requires discussion with other people, I mean, this is talking about someone who has just walked through the door or who is still laying in a hospital bed um, <clears throat> or in a treatment center, in other words, at step one. You know, we're, we're learning how to practice step 12, how to sponsor, but they're at step one. So this is an opportunity to say, well, you don't have to do your inventory today. You need to be at the point of learning what your disease is, um, which is why it then says, you know, to suggest giving them a copy of this book. Because they need, we're on page 94, they need to read the doctor's opinion and the forewords to the other editions and uh, the first 93 pages to get up to this point. They, they're not there yet. And what my sponsor, when I finally surrendered after six years of being in these rooms and doing the half measures, you know, thinking that a half measures for me would avail something. Well, just like everyone else, half measures availed me nothing, nothing. Not, you know, 5%, not, you know, physical recovery, but no mental recovery, not this or that or the other thing. It avails me nothing. In fact, I got worse. So that's what we can share with this person is, you know, okay, you can rebel against this thought, but you're going to get nothing. If you want something from this program, you have to take action. And action for today, for your first day of abstinence, is putting the food down and learning what your problem is, which is that you have a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, not, you know, whether you have to write an amends letter to Aunt Sally. Um, So I take them back to, you know, the surrender process and that it's not me, myself, and I anymore. It's taking the hand of God to walk through these steps. And, yes, as Leah just shared, you know, yes, you do get a, a, a whole host of friends and uh, relationships in this program when you stay in recovery. But I don't have those if I'm still in the food. They may be there, but it's very superficial. You don't have this hard um, until you started walking through the hard things of life. And But, again... I bring the person back to today and that God will give them just enough information for the step they're on, which they're on step one, not step four, five, six, and seven at this point. And once they do get to that point, then again, all you have to do is what you can do today. We don't clean up our whole house overnight. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Good morning, Janice. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision, for you. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. So your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. Well, when I hear someone brand new suffering as I was suffering, desperate as I was desperate, and still, and still, Having this response, I say to myself, oh, yes, I remember. 
how afraid I was. You know, to me it speaks of fear, the person's fear. And when I look back and I remember how afraid I was, how much I wanted it, but how afraid I was. You know, I was living in fear. I didn't know it at the time. I didn't know it at the time. But even though my curiosity was, and my mind was opened, and I had been listening, and I had been identifying, I still had that rebellion inside me. And why? Where did that rebellion come from? Well, it came from my fear. You know, one more attempt and one more failure. That had been my experience. One more attempt and one more failure. Would this be the way out? Would this be the solution? Even though I could see someone in whom the problem had been solved, I could hear that they had done something different than what I had done and were getting something different than what I had always gotten. I was still afraid. I was still afraid. So that's why I love the big book is so clear about do not contradict his views. Do not try to argue him out of it. Do not try to prove your point. Many times people had tried to argue me out of where I was. They had tried to prove their point to me. And all it made me do was dig my heels in. But here was someone who is being taught, don't to contradict such views. Tell him you felt as he once. You once felt as he does. You know, there's nothing more wonderful than someone saying, oh, me too. Me too. I've been there. I've been there. But this is what was true for me. And I can share that even though I might have had those same feelings, even though I might have been in that same place, nothing worked for me. My experience has shown me that nothing worked for me. Except this. Except this. So I can offer him a copy of the big book and I can say, this is what helped me. And if he shows interest, I'll lend him the copy of the book. I'll show him that copy and I'll lend him that copy. And maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he needs to dig his nose inside the copy of this book and read about all these things. Maybe that will reassure and give him more to identify with. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. My name is Monica, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I, I love how the um, big book here is giving, giving us instructions on how to be a sponsor, on how to work with can- new candidates. And this is such good information to have, and it's to be able to go back to this book and reread these areas and look at this. Your candidate may give reasons why he need not follow all the program. He may rebel at the thought of a drastic house cleaning which requires discussion with other people. Do not contradict such views. Tell him you once felt as he does, but you doubt whether you would have made progress had you not taken action. So it helps me to remember, you know, this person is a sick person. How would I treat a sick person? What is our code? Love and tolerance. And it helps me to remember, you know, it helps us to remember as sponsors where we were when we first came in. And like was so nicely said, you know, the fear that's behind all this. 
and of course they're sick. You know, a sick mind cannot cure a sick mind. So they're 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 clawing, they're they're rebelling, they're they don't know, they don't understand. And it says to me, do not contradict such views. So don't jump in there with both feet, Monica. Just very you know, tell them that you've once felt this way. And I did. I had a lot of doubts when I came into this. Would this work for me? You know, do I really have to do all of this? But I saw that recovery. I heard that recovery. I saw that glow on that sponsor. And I, I wanted that. And with that, I will pass. And would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Victoria. Victoria, go ahead. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, Vision for You. These first two lines in that, in that um, paragraph bring me back to the reality. I lived in active addiction, which I see in so many others, which was my unconscious philosophy was cut and run. If anything was required of me that I I felt afraid of, that I did not want to do. The whole essence of my disease was avoidance. The food was a way out. It was what I thought was an easier, softer way. And the idea of facing life, facing reality, and the example given here about a fourth step and talking with someone about what we had done, taking responsibility, this was the antithesis of my disease. My disease was about taking responsibility for nothing. It was about feeding myself so that I could live in oblivion. And the program of recovery is a very gentle but frontal assault on that way of life. It is a shock to the system, and I think that's why at other points in the big book, it's referred to as radical. It is a radical change. It was a very radical change for me to face virtually anything that involved pain um, that was beyond my control and certainly my, my very, um, the dark crannies of my past were beyond my control. I could not undo them. And so it, it has helped me at times to share with a newcomer that my understanding of my disease was essentially escape. The essence was, let me out of here. And this program, this way of life, requires me to suit up and show up, face the music, and do the next right thing. But I recognize... Um, both in myself and in the newcomer, that this is a radical shift um, from years of living in active addiction. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Victoria. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Yes, this is Betty Ann. Good morning. This is Vision. Good morning. I'm a compulsive overreader. Good morning, Betty Ann. Go ahead. Um, To me, this sentence, um, has to do with will, self-will. Um, I think when, I mean, the person that I was certainly was a person who tried everything and nothing worked. 
and um, and other programs, diets, the program, in and out, blah, blah. And so it's about feeling like my, I can do it. It's my will. And what they're saying to me is if they say, well, I don't have to do this and I don't have to do that and I think I can blah, blah, blah and I'll take I'll take it. I'll take this much, and that's it. Not to argue, because number one, if I argued with them, I would be putting my will. I would be again not accepting God's will that this is where this person is at. Period. And this is, then, and when they are ready, they will, um, you know, just they will just understand that they're powerless, and not to reject them or anything, but. To you know, say well, call me. You know, whatever, whatever you do, you do. It's you know, it's okay. And for me to argue with that person would be asserting my will on them, and for them to argue with me is about their will. So I have to understand that I I had self will run riot for 35 years. I mean, I thought you know, I still can do it. I can do it every morning. I'd get up and say I can do it. So if they if that person can't understand that yet, then I think the best thing is what the big book tells us, is don't argue with them and just let them be and not to reject them. Say, call me anytime and I'm here for you. And um, that's it. You know, there you have to accept everything is, where God, is every situation I'm in every day is where, I'm supposed to be, and God, God gave me this day, and this is where I'm supposed to be, and there's a lesson to be learned for me and for that person, and so I have to accept what is, accept life on life terms, and um, with that, I can't. Thank you, Betty Ann. Would anyone else like to share? Hello, this is Gwen. This is Gwen. Gwen? Yes, hi, Gwen. And uh, let's see. Okay, so this is Gwen, and I have an allergy to uh, sugar, and I'm a compulsive overeater. And this is, I think, my, like, 42nd day of abstinence, and I have been trying to do uh, at least one meeting a day and read and write. And, um, you know, I just want to say that um, I still feel shy somehow about reaching out and making calls even though people are making calls to me I think that that may be a component of you know kind of like isolation and I can do it without the help even though I think I'm using the program today very very different from before um, I, I have friends and family who are big uh, compulsive overeaters, and I do watch them self-destruct, and I know that I have to um, I have to practice what I think everyone is talking about in terms of what I say and what I do and what I show, um, and I think that um, I have to wait until there's a certain readiness. But in the meantime, I can only try to be true to my own purpose and try to do my program and this program, you know, better and better. And it's a slow process 
of fully taking it on. I, I, I don't I wanna honestly admit today that I haven't fully taken it on and that I'm working towards doing that. But even though I know I have a hundred percent willingness, I don't think that I am working the program a hundred percent. And that and that doesn't mean that I'm not abstinent from compulsive overeating. Uh, and from sugar and white sugar and white flour, and I've included gluten, I am. But fully taking on the program and taking it in is is gonna is taking me time. And I just want to admit that, you know, in in the presence of of all you people who uh, are in the program recovered and recovering, and give you this note of honesty that you know that I am trying a hundred percent but that I'm not 100% in today, and that, but that I'm hoping to work towards that. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Gwen. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? This is Vered. Good morning, Vered. Go ahead. Hi, this is Vered, a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, when it says here, do not contradict such views, I remember myself about a year ago when I just started a little over a year ago with the vision for you and the way for me it was new, the way of the big book. I felt, wow, I really found the truth and I should show it to anyone I speak with from program and, you know, newcomers. And uh, what I'm what I'm told here, and thank God with the process of humbling more and more through the steps and through the program and hopefully more and more in the future, that I, even though I think I know what's best, I really don't know anything. And and it says further on, tell him you once felt as he does. And this is so true. I mean, the people who wrote this book are the first hundred recovered people who went through the same thing we are going through. And the same thing I went through and I'm going through. And it's true. So many times I just had to say, no, that's not going to work. Even by this day, um, when I, let's say, consult with my sponsor and she says something and I want, I still have this, you know, a little bit of, you know, but I want, I, I wish, it's my will. Um, so although I'm recovered, the essence of the illness, I'm not cured. And I have to remember it, and that's what I think this paragraph is all about. Remember that we, each one of us have to go through their own journey, and I can just offer my help, but I cannot impose it on anyone. And, I just, and what it says here is to um, allow, to offer, and to, to, to keep the door open. And that's all I can do. And, of course, I can also pray for that person and for myself and for everybody else. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Vered. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Okay, let's continue on with the next paragraph. And Paula, could you read, please? Star one, Paula. Star one, 
Okay. Um, Sarah, are you there? Can you read the next paragraph, please? Yes, good morning. This is Sarah, compulsive overeater. Unless your friend wants to talk further about himself, you do not wear out your welcome. Give him a chance to think it over. If you do stay, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. Sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. If he has trouble later, he is likely to say to say you rushed him. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion for crusade or reform. Never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. Simply lay out the kit of spiritual tools for for his inspection. Show him how they worked with you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. Wow. I love these specific instructions because I am so the passionate reformer. <laughs> and this is just, um, you know, and it and it shows me where, you know, in the beginning, um, thank God I don't, I don't do this anymore, but I could very easily go there. And I love that I have specific instructions of what, of what works and what doesn't and and who I need to be and how I need to show up in the world um, sane and helpful and useful and with that I'll pass. Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Good morning, Kim. Go ahead. Good morning again, Monica. I love this. You know, when they share their experience, it's not only their experience of what works, it's their experience of what doesn't work. So it says, sometimes a new man is anxious to proceed at once, and you may be tempted to let him do so. This is sometimes a mistake. So that's what I, you know, they they realize that, that it's sometimes a mistake to rush someone. And this is a time of year we get a lot of new people coming in, all those New Year's resolutions, and someone comes in and goes, you, yeah, okay, I get it, I get it. What do I have to do? And what we do is we direct them to page 58 to how it works. How it works, do this. But that's a disservice to the newcomer because it's like we take a child who's like in fourth grade and we sit them down in front of a math book and we say, okay, open up to chapter five and let's do some algebra. And the kid will open the book and he'll look at it and he knows their numbers, but he doesn't understand algebra. You haven't taught him yet how to add and subtract. You haven't taught him what division is. He doesn't understand what fraction is, and you're trying to get him to do algebra. So it's so essential that these steps are in order for a reason, that we need to understand that we are powerless over food and and our lives are unmanageable. And what does that mean to be a compulsive overeater? So for those of you who are new in the line, the electricity on this meeting is amazing. It's wonderful. Take advantage of it. But recognize this is the fellowship. And if you are beginning, in order to do the work, in order to start this program, you have to go back to that doctor's opinion and learn who and what you are, and maybe you're not a compulsive overeater. You have to go back and look at Bill's story so you understand the progression of that disease. And once you know you're powerless, you go to there as a solution. Because once we know that lack of power is our dilemma, we're going to look for that higher power. 
And all these progresses, all these steps will get us to that place called recovered. So if our prospect is anxious and we're tempted to let him go, go fast, we have to recognize the depths of this disease. We have to make sure that we are convinced, that we have concluded that we are powerless, that we have concluded we need a higher power, that we've made that decision to turn our life and will over to our higher power, and then we get to those action steps. So what is my job as a recovered person? My job as a recovered person is to maintain the integrity of the message. So it says here, simply lay out the kid as spiritual tools for him his inspection. Show them how they worked for you. Offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him if he wants, if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? This is Sharon. Morning, Sharon. Please share. Good morning. When I read this uh, chapter, this uh, paragraph, it uh, it reminds me of how I abhor being told what to do, and that's how addicts addicts are sensitive people. We don't want anyone lording it over us. That's why we eat because we we have a view of the world. We want to protect ourselves. We want to. Uh, we know it all, and so we have to be very, very careful when we deal with with the addict. In this this paragraph, what I what I really see coming out of of the words on this page, and out of the direction that we're being given here, is that we have to approach with an attitude of humility. We have to be patient. We we can't just come with a spiritual stick ready to prod and, and, you know, beat somebody with it. We come with an attitude of love. We are demonstrating through our own life. We are the book, so to speak, that the people that our prospect is reading. They're reading us as the book. So we're demonstrating through our life uh, the solution. What happened to us? We we are being sensitive, and uh, we tell our story if if invited to. And it says we offer friendship and fellowship, so that we we listen, we we spend time. And what I what I thought about in 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 as we read this this chapter, this uh, paragraph, was page 99 of the 12 and 12, which I I love and I refer to often. Lord, make me a channel of thy peace. So we're a channel. We're not there giving them what we think they need. We're a channel that where there is hatred, I may bring love. So the person, you know, we're, we're there bringing love. And where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. So this is the attitude that we operate in when we're approaching our our prospect. In some ways, we're invisible. It's not ourself that we are 
approaching through. It is through the very uh, spiritual kit. It says we, we have the spiritual kit, we, the spiritual tools. And so it's, it's not our ego. It's not, we're not there to put another notch on our belt. We're just simply there to uh, be a vessel. We're there to be a channel. And there is a power that is greater than us, even in this interaction that is at work. So we can't be more than what we are. We can't give more than what we have. But we can be willing to give whatever we can, whatever is. uh, We may have only been abstinent a short time, but we we can be a channel. We can be surrendered. It says, um, uh, it goes on to say at page 99 of the 12 and 12, it, uh, that I may bring harmony where there is error. I may bring truth where there is doubt. Truth of what happened to me, my experience. I may bring faith where there is despair. So we've got that faith. We can believe that regardless of whether it seems possible, because how many of us haven't dealt with a compulsive overeater and we look at them and like, oh gosh, I just don't know if that person can ever recover. Or we may look at a, another prospect and we say, well, that person doesn't need anything. Look, she's thin. She looks like she's got more than what I got. I have. But that's not the point. We can't measure the depth of a soul's suffering. If that person is willing to listen, we're available to share. We're available to help because that person may be ready or we may be able to share our experience, truth, and hope in a, such a way that the next person, boom, is able to get right in and and, and be the person that uh, brings that uh, prospect into the boat. So just I just want to finish reading this real quick. I'm, that I may bring hope where there are shadows. I may bring light where there is sadness. I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted. I'm not there to get for me. I'm there to understand uh, rather than to be understood, to love than to be loved. For it is in, by self-forgetting that we find It is by forgiving that one is forgiven. It is by dying that one awakens to eternal life. And um, so when we go, we are not going as ourselves, so to speak. We're going with the spirit of let me be of service. Let me give so that I can help. I'm not there to cure. I'm just there to to allow uh, my higher power to be used by the higher power of this other person so that that person can get the recovery. Because guess what? Somebody did it for me. I'm there to do it for that next person. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share in this paragraph? This is Lois. Okay, I heard Lois and Leah. Lois, please. Yeah, good morning, everyone. I wanted to come in and it says, excuse me, show him how they worked for you offer him friendship and fellowship. 
And what worked for me and what I always try to offer the newcomer is um, a, 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 a compulsive overeater who had recovered through the 12 steps of the big book um, who had also told me this story where they had tried over and over again every other way and they could never make it. So I identified with the repeated failures of this uh, person that was sharing with me. And, and she told me, you know, how much hope she had gotten from uh, the, the, the working the 12 steps on the big book of, of Alcoholics Anonymous. And I heard the hope in her voice. And I, I, had, I had lost all my hope. I had tried everything for years, uh, you know, repeated failures. So when, when, when I identified and related with her story of having no hope and trying other methods and never having any success, it, it, was the, it was the one thing when she offered me understanding, empathy, and friendship that, that brought me to um, begin to hope once again and to begin this process with a recovered sponsor. So uh, with that, I'm going to pass. Thank you. Thank you, Lois. Leah, go ahead. Thank you so much. You will be most successful with alcoholics if you do not exhibit any passion or for crusade or reform, never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. We're obviously uh, studying Chapter 7, working with others, and these pages were penned by those who had a great deal of experience in this matter. And uh, this was a hard lesson learned from Bill, uh, because Bill had a habit of walking into the nearest bar on his city corner and grabbing men by the shirt collar and speaking to them about uh, spiritual awakenings and, and God and honesty and love. And this was a hard lesson learned from Bill because in those early efforts at 12-step work, at the end of six months of teaching and preaching to scores and scores of men, nobody sobered up. <laughs> nobody sobered up. <laughs> six months of effort. Nobody suffered up, so sobered up. So, I mean, obviously he felt dejected, and he called on his good friend, um, you know, our medical saint, Dr. Silkworth, who suggested to Bill, hey, Bill, you're putting the cart before the horse. You know, you're talking spiritual before the medical business. You're scaring off your prospects. So that's why it says here, never talk down to an alcoholic from any moral or spiritual hilltop. That was Bill's experience. He was scaring off his prospects in the process. So Dr. Silkwith advised him, instead of preaching about God and spiritual awakenings at this point, first focus their attention on that double-edged sword held above their throat. The obsession that condemns them to drink and the allergy that ensures their self-destruction. And you do that by your own story, through your own story. Show them how they worked with you. So that's exactly what we do here. You know, this is, this is uh, skill and this is tact and it, and it just takes experience in working with the newcomers. You know, when I lay out my story of transformation... I tell the prospect where I came from. I tell the prospect the way I lived, the way I used to live, the way I felt, the way I acted. 
you know, and in, inevitably at the end of my story, that that prospect has a hard time believing that I came from where I came from, that I lived the way I used to live, that I felt and acted the way I used to feel and act. But what a tribute that is to the program of recovery. And I say to them, I want to assure you that I looked exactly like my story. That I looked exactly like my story. And that's what we who are recovered offer him friendship and fellowship. Tell him that if he wants to get well, you will do anything to help. The highest rank in this program of recovery is what? It's servant. (laughs) The highest rank in the program of recovery is servant. That's what recovered people have to offer. We are living proof that some power greater than than human power has revolutionized our life. And in all our efforts, all we want to do is say thank you, God, and pay it forward. With that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. Was there anyone else there that wanted to share? This is Paula. May I share? Paula, go ahead. Thank you. Oh, so much has been said. But this is so, so important here. You know, we start in 89. What does it say? The bottom of 89? And this is in the top of our mind we come in here. To be helpful is our only aim. And then it says, unless your friend, notice how they use the word friend again. Do you consider him a friend? Wants to talk further about himself. Do not wear out your welcome. Have you ever seen people, they get their hand and they put it on their forehead and they go, thank God they're done and thank God they're gone. This part here. Give him a chance to think it over. Give the guy a chance. Look at what you're giving him. And then it says, if you do stay, let him, not you, not you guiding and directing, let him steer the conversation in any direction he likes. In any direction he likes. This here is, yes, you ask God, what do I say? How do I say it? What should I say? What should I not say? but more so, and this was taught to me very recently, may I add, prayerfully listening. Listen very carefully. What's beyond the words? And there it says, with that, you will be guided and directed. And I love what ends again as it started. Your friend, offer him friendship and fellowship. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Paula. Thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the Big Book on page 164, followed by the Serenity Prayer. And Sharon, can you please read a vision for you? Absolutely. This is Sharon, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, You cannot transmit something you haven't got. 
See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.